You're listening to the Mom Inspired Show, episode 360 with Teresa Levine. Welcome to the Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I am super excited to have Teresa on the show today. We are going to be talking about how to regulate our nervous system. Teresa, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm really excited to be here, Amber. All right. So Teresa, I like to ask an icebreaker to start off the show. I like to leave my listeners a little bit more inspired um, before they started listening to the show. And the question that I love asking my guests is, what is one thing you wish you could tell your younger self? Oh my goodness. So many things, right? Mm -hmm. But I would say, oh, especially after kind of going through my past so much in this past year, as I wrote my book, um, one thing that I would have loved my younger self to know was that she was already enough. Mm. Yeah. Did you realize that through writing the book that um, you were enough? I had already realized it prior to that, but it was definitely part of my becoming process, Mm. stepping into that. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think kind of was the catalyst to even get to that point that you were enough? A lot of self-work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always say I, I'm a personal development junkie. I always have been. Yeah. So, I love that. Know, all those layers that get peeled back and mm-hmm. you finally get to that point where, where you're willing to accept that, not just on a conscious level, but on a subconscious level. Yeah. I know. I do. I, I love that. And I do think that's just a, uh, one of those things too. Um, that I'm sure not everybody gets to that point, but I do think as you get older, um, that you realize that you, you're really hard on yourself when you're young and, and stuff like that. And, and that is a pattern that I notice when I ask guests these questions. Um, there's a lot of similarities in the answers. And I think because as women, you know, just, you know, how we are raised up and in society and all that kind of stuff you see, especially, uh, around you know, people in a certain generation. So I'm not talking about, you know, Gen Z and younger, you know, that's a different, a different vibe, but just, um, you know, you're talking about millennials, Gen X, and just how, how it was, you know, for us to be, you know, raised and, um, the things that we went through and, and just how society was and how things are changing and whatnot. Um, and so it is very interesting to, just hear everybody's answers and how sometimes there is a similarity. Um, yeah. And if I could add to that, yeah. I would also, I would also tell her, thank you. Mm, I love that. That is great. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's get started. Um, how about you tell us your whole name, where you live, how many kids you have and their ages? Sure. So I'm Teresa Lear Levine. I live in a little suburb called Davidsonville in Maryland, but it's most people recognize Washington, D.C., which I'm pretty close to. Mm. And I have four boys. So my oldest is 18, just started college this fall. I have a 13-year-old in eighth grade, a just-turned-10-year-old in fourth grade, and a first grader who is six. Oh, that's awesome. Um, How's it been having a child go off to college? Oh, it's been, it's been an emotional thing. I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's been difficult. My, my firstborn has made a lot of things really easy. And Mm. he's also one that, you know, eternally is teaching me things. (laughs) And he just, he made a really smooth transition. I had to laugh, you know, I mean, moving into the dorms, he's got, you know, a few bags. It was literally one trip between my husband, myself and I up to his bedroom and everything was in. Wow. And we're watching, you know, all the the girl moms and dads (laughs) with their multiple hand trucks and their Ikea 
furniture and this and that. He's just like, nah, mom, I'm good. You know, I had to like beg him almost to like stay there and put clothes on hangers and help him make his bed and things like that. <laughs> but no, he, he's doing great. I just talked to him the other day. He's he's getting all A's. He's doing all the things. I'm super proud of him. But he's definitely made it very a very easy transition for us. That's awesome. Parents. Yeah, yeah. It will be interesting to see how the other three boys go, right? Absolutely. <laughs> With all the different personalities. Everyone is different. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Teresa, how about you share with us how you got to where you are today? And then we'll we'll jump more into the interview, your book and all that stuff. Absolutely. So today I am a uh, hypnotherapist, an EFT master practitioner, and um, a law of attraction coach. And I kind of blend all of these things together into the work that I do. And I came into this through my own personal challenges and my own recurring Groundhog Day of unwanted events that kept happening in my own life. Mm. And, you know, not really understanding my ADHD, which I was only officially diagnosed with in my 40s, but has definitely been a prevalent part of my my learning experience and my understanding of the world and the way I show up in it. And as I found ways to get through, under, around, or over the walls that kept presenting themselves in front of me, I wanted to translate into the way that into the way I could help other people. So that's kind of how my brand and blend of coaching emerged through my own trial and error and finding the things that really worked best for my neurodivergent brain and my desire to just become more of who I wanted to be in this world, which I knew was a desire that would never really truly be quenched because we're always becoming and really wanting to be present for that. You know, I went through this period about seven years ago when my youngest was just coming into this world and really feeling like, man, you know, I have this amazing life, really truly blessed in so many ways. And yet it just felt like chaos and confusion mm-hmm. and cortisol spikes and constantly focusing on the lack instead of the abundance and learning to flip that switch and to really be able to get present mm-hmm. in my own life, to get yeah. grounded. That That's what it was all about mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. I love that. You know, I, I part of being a podcaster, I'm also a life coach, but I do like to listen to a lot of podcast interviews read books and stuff like that. And I was listening to Jada Pinkett Smith on an interview with Jay Shetty. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, oh, yes. I, I think I listened to a good portion yeah. of that interview. Okay. So what I liked about this interview, and I think it applies to uh, what you're talking about, she was saying what she wrote in her book is that she was really unhappy. And she said a lot of people were surprised. Like you have everything, right? Like, and especially you think about somebody at her status, like, all the money, you know, the fame, all that kind of stuff. Right. And so, um, and then it almost makes it feel worse when you kind of have it all right. Like I'm doing that in air quotes and, Mm -hmm. um, and then you're not happy, uh, because then people are like, why? And then they're confused. And then she said, it kind of puts you more into more inward. It's like, it's like Mm -hmm. creating this shame, right. That like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't like be unhappy, Right. Which then makes you want to isolate yourself because you feel bad now that you feel unhappy and you're like, oh, I, sh- I have everything. So therefore I should be happy. And it made me think about what you were saying, that you had a good life and all that kind of stuff. And so with that, I want to put that out there for women that are listening that, you know, on paper, their life looks amazing. They have everything that they ever wanted and what other people probably want. And maybe they feel really sad or are dealing with a lot of stuff, which then makes it feel worse and and causes more shame. 
what do you think it was that, you know, I love that. I love the Groundhog Day analogy. I use that a lot. Um, I feel like we really experienced that during the pandemic, right? So, so like, yeah. are we in the same day over and over again? Um, what was it, do you feel like that kind of turned things around for you and that maybe too, like, I don't know if you would be open to painting a picture of what that Groundhog Day looked like so that people could kind of relate or picture what you're talking about and see that in themselves? And then what was it that kind of started turning it to, you know, to give the listeners some hope? Yeah. I mean, that Groundhog Day looked like kind of what I mentioned, like having a lot and things seeming to be great on the outside. I was running a couple of businesses from home as I had my kids raising them. I was home with them, which was always important to me. But it was like, I was trying to do all the things, you know, I mean, run the businesses, take care of the kids, run the errands, make the doctor's appointments, Mm -hmm. take care of myself, be a good wife, show up to all the things. And I was really depleted. Mm. And, you know, it just never really felt like, the right things were moving along, you know, like I would get stuck in, you know, making a certain amount of income or, you know, not doing certain projects or other things. And then like, there would be that kind of shame spiral and things and feeling like, gosh, I should be further ahead by now, Mm. or, you know, I should be spending my time different, all that, you know, should crap that we give ourselves that doesn't really help anything anyway. And coming out of that was, really learning to have love, self-love, acceptance, Mm -hmm. understanding, self-compassion, and just give myself grace. And to really understand, and this is the hardest part because like I'm a type A, high functioning Mm -hmm. anxiety, you know, like I, and when we have high functioning anxiety, like we're propelled by the same things that burn us out a lot of the time, right? you know, um, really driven and very ambitious and, uh, slowing down can be really, really difficult for me. Mm. So yeah. in learning how to regulate my nervous system, learning how to really get attuned to myself, learning how to get grounded and to really heal my past trauma and the belief systems and conditioning and programming that had me that way to begin with, that is where I really started to have kind of like the rubber meet the road and really was able to accept, understand, and implement that slow is the new fast. Mm. And that it's really only through slowing down yeah. that we can really get present, uh, experience things, integrate things, fully enjoy things. Um, and that was another thing, like pleasure. You know, when we get into that thing of, you know, for me, it was, you know, four kids under the age of like 12 at home and trying to do all the things and pleasure had a seat pretty permanently on the back burner and that affects everything, you know? And unfortunately in this day and age, most people, you know, pleasure, they just associate that with like sex, but it's pleasure is every part of our life, you know, whether it's just enjoying like putting the lotion on my legs after a shower Mm -hmm. or, you know, just really experiencing the way like my kid's hair feels against my face when I snuggle up with them or the aromas and the smells as I cook a meal and just really taking it in and enjoying all of it. Yeah. Um, and, and sex too, but you know, um, none of that had a chance to really expand and get amazingly better without Mm. tuning into it and giving it a place back on the front burner where it belonged and could make every single part of my life better and give me fuel. Yes. Yeah. I was actually just listening to a a coaching call and, um, this woman was, she's retired and she was struggling with 
trying to figure out, you know, her day and all this stuff. And, and uh, the coach was talking to her about, you have nothing on here. So what she was doing, she was scrolling on social media and then spending lots of time on that. And she's like, I'm not surprised that you're just scrolling unintentionally because you don't have any pleasure on here. There is no dopamine hitting activities going on. It's like all work, 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 work. And so she wasn't building in any pleasure for herself, like during her day. And then, so then her brain was just like, well, then we're just going to go on social media. And that's not necessarily what she wanted to do, but then it kind of just went there because she didn't have that. So I love that you bring that up because I do think we need to build that in, especially as moms, because I think it's very easy to just be like, okay, well, there's no time for that. But you end up building that time in somewhere. A lot of times it's unintentionally. So, cause I, I will ask my clients who are like, I don't have time. And, and then when we're talking about when are you on Instagram, when are you on TikTok? And then they're kind of like, oh, okay. So I do have time and it's totally fine if that's what you want to do. But if that's not what you want to do, then let's figure out what you want to do and schedule that in. And so um, I do think that's very true for so many moms and especially moms with young kids. Um, the thing that I wanted to talk to you about too, is the ADD or ADHD. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Mel Robbins. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So, you know how she realized that she had ADHD in her fifties. And I do think more and more, again, this whole thing that I'm talking about with our generation that of, you know, people going under the radar of not being detected of having ADHD, I think it's now going to be more, um, I think people are going to realize they have it, you know, in the younger generations because people are talking about it. Um, what are some things, because if people are listening to this and they're like, Oh, I, I wonder if I have ADHD, what was it that kind of triggered that you're like, you know, I'm, I might actually have this. So I always kind of appreciated my ADHD and, and thought of it as a superpower mm -hmm. and honestly didn't really have a whole lot of lows around it until after I was diagnosed, even though I knew that I had it before. But for me, the ADHD shows up in procrastination, which, and I think a lot of the ADHD symptoms, like we've all got them, whether we have ADHD or not, this yeah, is a very, I procrastinate. very yeah. distracting world that we live in. Right. And, yeah. you know, so I think that a lot of the things that I also provide that help with that can help anybody because we're all kind of dealing with this, but, you know, impulsiveness can be a big indicator of it. Um, restlessness also, um, moodiness even sometimes. And for me, it's kind of like an all tabs open sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, literally my computer is like all tabs open. I almost always have at least a hundred tabs open on my computer. Um, but my mind is just, it's very, uh, it's able to kind of go back and forth between things very nicely. And I also mm -hmm. get these like great surges of like hyper-focus where I can just really dive in and get amazing mm -hmm. things done yeah. in these periods of time. But for me, it was learning how to recognize those things and how to create time management and practices that allow me to expediate the procrastinating, get through it quicker, and be able to understand when I'm able to show up and do those things that really require a good bit of my uh, mental energy and when it's better to do other things mm. and to let myself off the hook for that just being my neurodivergent reality and to be cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, and I do have a lot of tabs open and I don't have ADHD. So yeah. So mm -hmm. I agree. There's a lot of things that kind of overlap. Um, you know, even if you don't have it, so people who are listening and they're like, well, I don't have it. I, I do feel like 
you still can resonate and, you know, you can understand uh, what you're referring to. Um, I want to jump into more the nervous system. Um, but I wanted to ask you, you know, when you were realizing, okay, it's Groundhog's Day, why am I not happy? Um, you, you know, figuring out the, you know, all the nervous system stuff, right, that I want to jump into. Did that play into what kind of helped turn things around? Or was there something else? Yes. Before I started regulating my nervous system along with trying to do other things. So like for Mm -hmm. the longest time, like being this personal development junkie, I probably read hundreds upon hundreds of different personal development books on, 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 excuse me, on audible, of course, because I don't actually read books. That's another ADHD thing for me. I consume audio, um, which made it kind of interesting and ironic that I actually wrote a book, but that's another subject. Um, and I would consume all this stuff and logically rationally understand it and not be able to implement it. Mm. Yeah. So when I actually started implementing my nervous system, and this tends to be a huge benefit for my clients too, who feel like they've been like knocking their head up against a wall for a number of years, or they've spent like I did tens of thousands of dollars on different coaching or different systems or whatever else only to feel like they can't work any of them or, you know, succeed with any of them. All of a sudden, when I was able to start regulating my nervous system, along with that knowledge, I was able to start putting it into action. Okay, so let's dive into this because I've only started to slightly understand, uh, you know, the whole nervous system regulation over the past couple of years. Um, And it does make sense to me that we act a certain way when our nervous system is out of whack. But I would love for you to kind of dive into this more for the women um, that have never heard of this, like they have no idea what we're even saying. Um, But I I would love for you to kind of share what that kind of looks like, you know, even EFT and why it does make such a huge difference. Kind of like what you're saying, it's like people are knocking their heads up against the wall. They're trying to do all these things and there's no breakthrough. So share with us um, all about this so that people can kind of have an understanding. Sure. So the nervous system is basically the foundation of our lived experience, connecting our body and our mind, regulating our emotional and mental, our immune system, every other body system. But it also connects us with the environment around us. It allows us to relate to other beings, other people, and it, you know, enables and enhances our spirituality. So this interconnectedness means that when we have some kind of suffering or dis-ease, be it like anxiety or sleeplessness or some kind of emotional or physical pain, even burnout, trauma, then we need to address all parts of ourselves as a human being if we want deep, long-lasting healing. So obviously we have the body, we have the mind, we have, you know, our connection and how we relate to others. We have our spirituality and, you know, we often get blocked on our healing journey because we are kind of at this like fixing mentality and trying to erase symptoms instead of integrate systems and be able to release energetic blockages, which are at the core and root of any dis-ease that we're experiencing. And that's where I really fell in love with emotional freedom techniques and also hypnotherapy because you know, hypnotherapy produces this sleep of the nervous system where we can really get under the conscious mind, below it into the subconscious mind. And emotional freedom techniques, otherwise known as tapping, is amazing for nervous system regulation and allows us to 
uh, root out whatever the negative thing is, um, you know, whether it's a, a physical or emotional pain, and get to that root cause. Because as we tap and talk about the issue, we send signals directly to our amygdala, that part mm-hmm. of our brain that's in control of, you know, fight, flight, freeze, flee, fawn, all of those Fs. And we get to calm that and simultaneously, you know, ease the emotions there. And, you know, what happens is that when we really can create genuine love, acceptance, and forgiveness around an issue, which is what happens with EFT tapping, it feels better. And as we regulate our nervous system through that, we are lowering our stress hormones, such as cortisol. You can actually lower that up to 43% in just five minutes of tapping. Mm. And that's insane. Like that's something that I always say, just like pause and take that in for a minute, because not only does that mean that you're feeling less stressed or less anxious or less frustrated or whatever the case may be, but it it makes an effect on everything. You know, our ability, especially for me, I'm in my mid forties, I'm turning perimenopause, you know, things like weight gain and, you know, physical health are majorly affected by those stress hormones, heart health, all sorts of things. So it's really, it's a complete energetic overhaul that allows us to release these blocked energetic meridians and to feel better in a very, very fast period of time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was just thinking like how Amazing that is. And I was thinking about it too, because I've seen acupuncturists over the years and, you know, they go along your meridian. Um, and so when I'm, when I'm listening to you, um, if you can explain what tapping means, because if people have no idea what you're saying, like things could be going over their head. So, of course. yeah. So when you say this, I can imagine people are like, okay, what are we tapping? And what, how does this Don't even help hands? anything? <laughs> We're tap dancing and all these things. So kind of just paint a picture for us of what tapping looks like and how in the world is this going to help you, right? Like how is this help calming your nervous system? Absolutely. And I'm also going to, at the end, give your listeners a resource where they can actually do this with me and understand it. Because it's one thing for us to have a talk about this, Amber, and and people to be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I should try that. It's a totally different story when you actually get your hands on and you do this thing and you mm-hmm. actually experience an energetic shift of your own. But emotional freedom techniques or EFT tapping is a combination of ancient Chinese wisdom and modern psychology. And what we do is we pick a topic, uh, you know, a specific single thing normally that tends to be bothering us. And that's what we put our focus on. So let's just say, for instance, a headache. I love using a headache as an example because it's a tangible thing. Mm. And when people spend five or 10 minutes tapping on a headache and then their headache's gone, they're like, holy moly, this actually works. And that's a big deal. So we're tapping on this headache and we start by tapping on the side of our hand. It's called the karate chop point. And we, we tap there while we kind of state the issue. So it could look something like tapping on that side of your hand while saying, you know, even though I have this headache, I want to love, accept, and forgive myself. And some variation there, we stay there for three rounds of that. And then we go to the top of our head, which is the next point. And we start talking about that headache. Maybe we're saying, uh, while we're tapping on the top of our head, you know, my temples are throbbing. And then we're moving to our eyebrow point and we're describing something else. I just want to be in the darkness right now. And we're moving to the side of our eye. And we're basically we're basically complaining and expressing all the negative things that the world mm. doesn't ever want to hear from us these days because sure. of all the toxic positivity. And, you know, like, just get better and forget about it. And somebody's yeah. got it worse than you. And let's compare. And none of that helps 
helps anybody. So this is just like your opportunity as you tap through these points, the top of the head, the eyebrow, the side of the eye, under the eye, under the nose, under the mouth, the collarbone, and then under the arm, repeating that three times and just letting out all of that information, that data about how it's feeling and what's happening for you. Usually by the third time around, you're opening up to the idea that maybe you can release this headache or you're noticing that it's moved from your temples to the top of your head or like the pain is shifted in some way and you're opening up to the idea that it's okay to release it. And typically by the end of just a round of tapping, you've made some major impact on the headache pain. So, and I mean, the same principle gets applied to childhood trauma or money blocks or ADHD, procrastination, disorganization, anything that you have going on that is causing you physical or emotional pain, this can be used on. It's also known as the try it on anything technique. And it is scientifically proven to be effective on all of those things. So, okay. So based on the, so are you going along the meridians is like, cause if someone's trying to figure out like you're tapping, how is tapping? How is tapping any of these parts of your body helping? So if you can explain that a little bit. Well, it's no different than if you were to go to an acupuncturist or to mm-hmm. have a deep tissue massage. Mm-hmm. Those end points on the meridians, which are essentially those those main points, the side of the hand, top of the head, eyebrow, side of the eye, under the eye, under the nose, under the mouth, collarbone, and under the arm. With those nine points, we can overhaul the energy in your entire body and make a huge difference in whatever Mm. you're feeling. Just the same way as a full body massage makes a heck of a lot of difference in the way that your body's feeling. And sometimes emotions too. I mean, I know when I go for acupuncture, a lot of times I have emotional release as well as physical release Mm. just by accessing those those endpoints. And that's just part of the ancient Chinese wisdom of the practice. Yeah. I want to go back to, you know, you kind of feel stuck in all the stuff. And now that we kind of explain the nervous system regulation, all that stuff, how did that change that whole perspective for you of where you're just kind of like, you're not happy with your life, even though you have a good life. And because I think people could be like, okay, so you figured out this nervous system regulation, you started tapping and now your life is great, right? Like I'm oversimplifying, <laughs> no. but like, but this is what people are going to think, right? Cause they're just like, how in the world is tapping my meridian points going to fix my problem? So I, I'd like for you to go back and kind of just share that. Like, how did that start to change things? Like, what did that look like for you? Uh, You know, more tangible things that people can kind of grasp and understand and be like, okay, I get it now. Okay. So we are on a show right now where we've got a lot of moms, right? So we we all have been frustrated with our kids at one time or another, correct? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Probably (laughs) safe to say. I know I... I still do get frustrated with my kids from time to time. And back in the day, I was way quicker to lose my temper, yell, get upset, and you know, get out of whack with things. When I started doing EFT tapping, that was one of the first things that I started working on was like, how can I show up differently? How can I respond better and really start becoming more of the mom I really want to be instead of, you know, this chick that gets knocked off a rocker when, you know, somebody does something that any Mm. kid can do. Um, and I, I just noticed so quickly the difference. I mean, it's the difference is perspective. The difference is ability to reframe things. The difference is consciousness. That's a huge one. And just increased awareness. It's almost like you just start peeling this onion and Mm. all of a sudden you are having these new aha moments every day. So for the first year that I was, you know, becoming master certified and, you know, beginning to work with clients, 
I was tapping on a different issue for myself every day. And it's still a practice I continue to do because I think there's always something that we can work on and be improving on. And it was just amazing to me to just put aside, you know, five or 10 minutes a day and just see how much changed in a day, a week, a month, and just really how much differently I did start showing up, whether it was that, you know, at first it was like, I'd still have those moments. The kids would set me off. I'd get frustrated. Maybe I'd start to yell. And then instead of continuing, I was able to take a breath and stop. Mm. And I was able to start explaining what was going on to my kids too. You know, uh, I could, I could feel it coming and be like, Ooh, I feel myself getting a little tight in the chest. I feel that frustration where I start to get really angry. You know, this isn't your fault. I need to take five minutes and I need to kind of reset some things. And I would start doing EFT tapping in front of them so that they could see it. You know, my, my younger kids really took onto it very easily. And it's been a major help for them for calming their own reactions to things or, you know, relieving issues with having a bad dream or seeing something that, you know, impacted them in a way that made them feel sad or upset. And I got to share that with them and that created a bond even for us. And they would get to see, hey, look, mom's human and mm-hmm. mom's basically like, shifting right in front of our eyes as she regulates herself and, you know, gets more embodied and calls her power back instead of leaking it. Yeah, that is so good. I, I think, I think too, because I think people might just be trying to figure out like, okay, so with all of that, right? Like I can see like how, if you show up differently, then it's going to make your life better. Um, especially as a mom, um, what do you feel like, you know, when we talk about the Groundhog's Day, like I think so many women, especially moms of young children, it really feels like Groundhog's Day. You're kind of like, oh my gosh, like take a nap, change the baby, like feed the baby. It's like, okay. So in this regard, how do you feel like it helps to get you out of that? You know, it's like day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day Is it, do you feel like the tapping that you're kind of doing is just kind of changing your mindset? Like what, how does it work for that? I guess it would depend on what you were looking to change. Mm. Maybe you want to appreciate those little moments more and realize that even though that they are day in and day out, there's only going to be so many years or months that you're changing those diapers. And maybe you really want to have a different perspective. You could use it that way. Or you could use it to appreciate the parts of your life that are new and different and not routine. You know, I mean, there's, there's beauty in our routine and there's beauty in our spontaneity. So, you know, there's all different ways to look at it. For me, I like to incorporate our chakra system into the way that I use this and the way that I help people heal. Because I think a lot of the things that we're trying to make different in our life are problems with our manifestation channel and things that get, you know, changed along the way. I, I was at a point seven years ago where I could manifest a lot of what I wanted into my life, whether it was, you know, a home I wanted or, you know, um, clients or whatever else. But a lot of times, when they actually manifested into physical reality, which is, you know, coming from the seventh chakra as an idea all the way down to our root chakra as physical reality, they'd get kind of twisted along the way. And like, maybe I'd have new clients, but they definitely weren't like ideal clients Mm. or, you know, I, I would get the thing, but it wasn't the thing that I originally envisioned because I had these blockages and those blockages are typically related to things that happened much earlier in our life that are still kind of clogging up the works that need to be resolved. So I love doing, you know, inner child work with Mm -hmm. both tapping and hypnotherapy and moving those blockages that way and upgrading, you know, those different versions of ourselves into our 
present day life. Um, because you know, the, the present moment is the only place that we ever have any power. Yes. And the problem is that most of us are leaking power either back to the past mm. or we're future tripping and we're leaking our power to the future. So it's a matter of like, how do we kind of like seal up these, you know, holes in our chakras or these places where we're leaking our energy and our power so that we have this fortified, strong, energetic container for which to bring things into and actually have them turn out the way that we dreamed of from the beginning. Yes. I was going to ask you, okay, so, you know, when you're talking about inner child work, right? I've, I've, I've heard more and more people talking about that. Um, what does that really mean? Like when, when people hear that, like how would you best describe that? So I feel like any version of us that isn't the right now version of us, mm. there's this inner younger version of ourselves. whether that is the version of us that came into the world as a baby, like mm. directly from our mother's womb or our, you know, inner 20 year old or our inner you from last week. You know, I mean, there's all these inner versions, um, that have something to offer, but I find that the really kind of like juicy stuff does come from those like very youngest times, even before we had memories when it all just was subconscious stuff that we were soaking up like a sponge and taking yeah. in as if it were just fact when it wasn't. It's just these yeah. beliefs that we've taken on from other people's crap that, you know, we've made our own and, um, you know, rewriting those narratives. So, you know, I know for me, when I thought about doing inner child work, I was reluctant about it. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I just want to like fix the present stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I just want to feel better now. Like, I don't want to worry about like what I was feeling as a baby or what I went through, <laughs> yeah. like when my parents divorced or when I divorced or when any of that stuff happened, I just mm -hmm. want to like deal with now. But I was not really understanding the connectivity mm. between all of those things in the present yeah. moment. Yeah. And also the lack of safety in my own body, like all mm. of those things that happen they erode our feelings of safety. They erode our feelings of connectedness and our own ability to connect our body and our mind. And even if we can logically understand, you know, I mean, I, I can look back and think about things that happened when I was a kid that might have really stunk when I was a kid, but I can understand as an adult, like, okay, like my parents were doing the best they knew how, or like, I don't see how that really could have happened any other way, but here I am. But my inner child does not understand things that way. Right. And, yeah. you know, that part of me needed to be acknowledged and mm. needed to be able to express her frustration, her anger, her upset, and to be able to transform that into fuel that I can use now to, you know, show up differently in my life presently. And that's kind of where the value of that comes in. And I got to say, most people, even people who have spent decades in therapy, normally have not worked on the stuff in the way that I work on it with them. Uh, and there's always some new like revelations and ways that things are integrated and processed when you look at them in a different way. So, I mean, new perspective and new ways of reframing things are really valuable. But I, I do, I, I visit with my inner children on a regular basis. Mm. And I love, like one of my favorite things is helping people to realize like, what is it that you were doing? Like between the age of like five and 15, that really lit you up because that's typically what you're missing in your life right now. Yeah. It needs to come back in. And what I thought was so cool. And I didn't realize until I was already in the midst of doing it all was that, you know, my inner child, when I was that age loved 
writing books. I had my own like library that I created in, in these like different boxes at my house. My friends and I would write books when they came over. And then that evolved into like writing lyrics and pretending that we were like total rock stars and recording them <laughs> on cassettes. And then like the camcorders came in, like those big yep. ones that you had to carry on your shoulders yep. in the eighties. I'm dating myself. <laughs> and once I got permission to use that, it was like making music videos and lip syncing and creating talk shows and all this other stuff. Well, like Today, I <laughs> I spend a lot of time on podcasts. That's like a talk show. I write specific, you know, EFT rounds and hypnotherapy scripts, which is like a song that heals people from, you know, the inside out. And I just finished writing my first book. So it's like I've embraced and found ways to bring all those things that lit me up as a child into my adult life and career. And that's fire. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so great. And and I, and I, I think too, like women, like, even though this is not generally what we're talking about today is like women can really forget their passions and kind of what they liked doing when they were younger and, and how that can tie into what they're doing today. And I liked how you were talking about, you know, all the stuff that you're doing younger and then now you're doing podcasts and, and you wouldn't have been able to even figure that out that you would, I mean, first of all, we wouldn't even know that podcasts were going to exist, right? Even when you think about like 2000, year 2000, you're you're not thinking, oh, there's going to be these things called podcasts and then it's going to blow up and everyone's going to have one. Um, So I I love that. Um, The the last thing I want to talk about is your book, you know, so this is another thing that you have channeled your energy into, you know, an outlet in in a book form. And uh, what made you decide to write a book? Like, wh- why did you feel like, you know what, this would be really good? And uh, because it's a lot of work to write a book, it takes a lot of discipline. Um, it's funny that you were saying that you don't even read books that you listen to them. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would love to hear that. And and I would love for you to share a little bit about um, who this book is for, why you wrote it, um, so that the listeners can have a, a better understanding of, you know, what, what, what you wrote about. Absolutely. So, I mean, my book is for anybody who's yearning to keep expanding and becoming more of who they feel called to be in this world. Um, you know, anybody who's determined to like really make peace with their past and release future worries so that they can live fully in the power and pleasure of the present moment and just be freed by like the subconscious secrets that, you know, they will allow them to finally cultivate the life that they've been dreaming about. I mean, essentially it's dedicated to the ADHD entrepreneurial moms of the world like me. And, um, writing a book was something that I started trying to do several times, this book actually, and didn't do very well on my own back in both 2020 and 2021, at which point, and I write about my whole process in my book. I didn't know that was actually what was going to happen in the book, but it relayed things in a way that I think anybody who's not even an author will understand and be able to like integrate in their own life. And I put it on hold. Like there there was a day where I just decided, you know what, it's not happening. It feels hard. It's resistance. And it's like, I already knew, uh, you know, being well-versed in like law of attraction that like nothing we want is upstream. So I was like, I gotta stop pedaling upstream here and just see, see what's downstream, see what happens when I go with the flow. And from there I spent a good year just leaning into podcast guesting and really fine tuning. Like what do people need from me? What do mm. I want to give? What's yeah. my real message here? And how do I want to convey this? And then there was this moment this last spring and I was talking to my husband and I'm like, I think it's time, but you know, I'm not going to do it the same way as I did before and try to, 
you know, bust it out on my own. I'm going to, you know, hire a book coach and I'm going to get a publishing team and mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, have support and accountability because that's huge for me, mm-hmm. um, accountability. And I'm going to do it differently this time. And I just felt so much more prepared and ready. And I also made a promise to myself that I was not going to write a sentence of it if it was not through the lens of pleasure and it being a fun project and having the right, you know, essence and energy behind it of what I wanted to deliver. I was not going to force words out of my brain. I love that. And you know, one thing that I was listening to you when you're like, I'm going to get a uh, publicity team, I'm going to get a book coach, or I'm not sure what you said. Mm-hmm. I'm just like thinking that sounds really awesome. Like what, how did you even know? Like, okay, I, I want to get all these things and like, I need to get these things and I deserve these things. And you know, because I think a lot of people would be like, wow, yeah, I mean, I wish I could get a, whatever they're trying to go after. And it's like, what made you feel like, yeah, I need to get a publicity team. I mean, that seems so kind of like out of reach for people. And and, and maybe they're not looking to write a book, but what kind of gave you that confidence to be like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pay for this. I'm going to, um, you know, really go for this. And, and what, and also what kept you from feeling like, what if I don't deserve this? Like, what if I don't make like anything from this? And then I just spent all this money because I think so many women are so nervous about investing in themselves. So I would just love to hear how you got there. Such good questions. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So the, how I felt like I was worth it is, is the work that I've done, you know, on myself all of these years Mm. and understanding that, I mean, literally like the, the three things that I always say I help people with are calm, clarity, and confidence. Mm. So I had gotten to the point where I can, you know, I can step into that myself and I know that I deserve it. And, I think that, you know, too often we look at like a financial ROI, a financial return on investment as being necessary. And it's kind of like I was talking about before about all the things that I had spent money on, you know, coaching and everything else that I felt like I couldn't implement. And then once I started regulating my nervous system, I could, Mm. I think that people discount the, um, the value of self-work in the way that it can make everything else make sense for them. And for me, my self-work allowed me to make a lot more money, help people on a different level, um, really step into my own power and have different things happening in my life that really do make me feel a lot more calm, confident, and clear in my life. Um, and that made it a lot easier to make these decisions. And also, you know, having a great supportive husband who, you know, I was able to talk to about the plan beforehand and who was able to also give me that layer of accountability. Cause mm. even though I knew I was getting into a big project, I mean, everybody always talks about like books being this big thing and it really, I mean, I'm still in the process as we're recording this interview. I mean, I'm still a few weeks out. The book will officially be, be available for purchase on 11, 11. I'm big into repeating numbers. So that's a beautiful date for me. Um, but like, there's still so much to do. It's so complex. And, you know, even with a team of people helping me and supporting me and everything else, there's a lot to this. And then also the fact that I have got so many, you know, vulnerable personal anecdotes and parts of my life that have been included in this book, um, along with other things, like, 
writing about that kind of stuff, it like opens things up again, even things that it's like, gosh, I thought I already took care of all this. And then it presents itself for a little bit more healing or you start realizing, I mean, it was so difficult for me even to just like hand my manuscript over to my husband as the first reader and be like, okay, here it is. Wow. Yeah. Somebody's actually going to read it and it's going to be him. And there's so, there's a lot in there that's, you know, relational and things. And then, you know, I'm sure I'm going to have that same kind of wave come over me right before, you know, it, it hits the, it hits the world and realize, oh my gosh, people are actually going to digest this information. And, but I know like on that deeper level, like people are going to heal from this information and the transmission and the, the honesty and the vulnerability and the authenticity that comes through in it. And, um, and that's the whole purpose and and reason for wanting to do it in the first place. I love that. I, I do. Um, Okay, so we're at the end of the show. I wanted to ask you, is there anything else that you wanted to add or that we missed that we didn't talk about? Oh, I could talk for ages. Um, <laughs> so I'll say I'll say no, so they don't get out any more rabbit holes because that's definitely an ADHD thing. I swirl. Um, but no, I mean, I would just love to, you know, share the the book is called Becoming More Me: Tapping into Success, Subconscious Secrets of an ADHD Entrepreneurial Mom. And like I said, on eleven eleven, that will be available in you know digital, paperback, and Audible versions on Amazon. And uh, I would love to also gift your listeners with, I have an amazing resource where I have over 60 different video tapping sessions called the private sessions. And they can get that by going to theprivatesessions.com and, um, they can actually experience those shifts that we talked about, um, energetically through trying some EFT tapping. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was so great talking with you. It was awesome talking with you too, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. If you love this episode, I would love for you to tag me at Mom Inspired Living on IG Stories so I can personally thank you for sharing this. All right, you guys, I'll see you next week. 